we just want to give a huge shout out to Sirenscape for providing all the music and the atmosphere uh, for this. You can check them out at uh, www.sirenscape.com. You've got to be using it at your gaming table. It does a great job bringing the entire story to life through the NPCs and music. And so again, just a huge shout out to Sirenscape um, for having this great music available for us. Thanks. Alright guys, welcome to uh, Mid-Mitten Gaming and another character background for our Curse of the Crimson Throne campaign. Um, I'm GM Jeff, uh, GMing this thing, and today the character that we're getting a background from is from none other than your co-host on the Mid-Mitten podcast, uh, Juice, and he's going to tell us a little bit about how he got into Pathfinder and then a little bit about Rizderic. Uh, Elsa, Elsa, Elsahan, El, Elsion, Elsion, Elsion. All right, Rizrik Elsion. So, uh, Juice, how how did you get into Pathfinder? Yeah, so uh, we've talked about this a little bit in the podcast, so I'll, I'll be brief here. But um, basically, I got into Pathfinder because um, I always enjoyed RPGs, and what better way to play an RPG but with friends and make an awesome story out of it? It's one thing to play Skyrim and make a story by yourself. Uh, you know, it's fun, but to be able to share sure. it with people and um, even in high school, I did a little bit of um, uh, kind of improv speech and that kind of stuff. Uh, so, you know, I've always doing, enjoyed doing pieces and stuff and uh, not really called myself an actor or anything like that, but I, I just enjoy the role-playing part of it, uh, delving into somebody else's shoes and seeing what they would see and acting like they would act and uh, so, yeah, I tried Pathfinder uh, with a buddy of mine. Uh, it didn't last long, but it wasn't until I started playing with some buddies, um, uh, Purple Worm Guild there in Tulsa, that uh, I really got to enjoy Pathfinder for all its fullness. And then I moved to uh, Michigan and uh, was able to meet some awesome people at Pathfinder Society Games. And uh, then my buddy Jeff here and started playing some more home games. I've just loved it ever since. So that's that's that. It's, it's been a blast, that's for sure. Um, this will be our one, two, like our third or fourth, maybe fifth AP that we've played some portion of together, right? Portion of being the keyword. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got through several books on several of them. We're almost done with Rise. We're getting up there. Um, well, tell us a little bit about uh, Rizderic, uh Elcyon. So, yeah. Hi, I'm Ristaric uh, Elcyon. Uh, I have a wonderful wife. Her name is Isolda. I, I met her as a waitress at a, a local bar here, the Jaeger's Jar. And together we were married, and after we fell in love and had a wonderful daughter, Yanis. She's just like her mother, stubborn, as I'll get out. But I, uh, I myself work here at the Reef Claw Market, and uh, I taken over my father's trading business him and my mother would travel all across uh the city of carvosa and uh deliver goods to whoever would order them and i myself have done the same and it's been quite a quite a good business we have a good home even though we live in old carvosa but it's uh it's satisfied our needs definitely and uh i enjoy working here at the market that's for sure uh, as far as the character's mechanics go 
Um, he is a, a rogue uh, by class. Um, the old Carvosa, though it is a beautiful city in general, Carvosa, uh, it can be dangerous. And so uh, Ristarik has picked up some skills that otherwise, you know, a normal trader wouldn't need. Um, there's been a few times just passing that, you know, someone's tried to mug him or someone's tried to come and claim his tar cargo. So he's had to learn a few times to defend himself. Um, same goes for any of his other rogue abilities. Um, he, uh, he practices with the rapier and he's fairly good at it, but, um, mechanically speaking, uh, he's a typical rogue. He's unchained. So he's going to be using dexterity for damage and stuff like that. And eventually, and, uh, also I plan on going into a prestige class with him that will, uh, hopefully evolve from more story. So I'm not gonna, well, um, yeah, I, it's going to be the Shadow Dancer Prestige class. Uh, I'm c pretty excited about it. Um, Isolde enjoys dancing at the Jaeger's um, Jug. Uh, that's one of her main things, and Rastarik does not find himself to be a dancer. But hopefully, through his uh, coming adventures, he will find the passion for it as he remembers fondly back on his wife and uh, uses it to bring justice to the grand city that we live in, or at least bring something. <laughs> yeah, and your stats, I'm just looking at them here. Strength 10, Dex 17, Con 13, uh, Intelligence 12, Wisdom 10, and Charisma 12. So nice, pretty nice stat line right there. A little, little uh, hardy for a rogue usually with that uh, 13 and Con. I take it you're putting, yeah. putting a bump at, uh, into Dex and Con and then two elsewhere some down, some ways down the line. Yeah, definitely. That's the plan. Um, the Constitution was for a lot of reasons, but mostly um, I just uh, built him, built him hardy. You know uh, where he can take some licks. And um, actually, my charisma should be a fourteen, though. I oh yeah, I wasn't looking at the. It is a fourteen. I was, that's where you put your two points in. I yeah, wasn't, I, wasn't I did that at the because final. I was looking at the purchase. My bad. Yeah, so, but uh, he's got a decent charisma because, uh, you know, trading and stuff, he gets to talk to people all over town, so um, his demeanor's not terrible. And um, the Constitution was just like you said. I just thought, you know, I want this guy to survive. I want him to be hardy. He doesn't exactly live in the nicest part of town, so he's not prissy, you know? Yeah, Old Corvosa. Old Corvosa is the, it's called Old Corvosa because it's the original city. Uh, it was built on Indoran Isle. Uh, and so there's a lot of cool stuff that's there, but you live in the, uh, you and your wife, Isolda, live in the shanty town that is, uh, oh, it's called the shanty, so, or the, yeah, that's where, that's what it's called. That's where you live, right? Yeah. Yep, it is, uh. Shingles, it's called the shingles. Jeez. The shingles, yep. Um, we live in the shingles, which is pretty much the poorest area of old Carvosa and old Carvosa is pretty poor by itself. It's the poorest um, area of the city. Yeah. So yeah, we, uh, we're not destitute, but we, uh, definitely just make ends meet most of the time. Very cool. Well, there is a feat out there called shingle runner. It's, you can look at it. It's uh, meant for characters that spend time in the shingles. And so, uh, anyway, cool. Well, uh, we're going to dive into your background um, at this point. And so, uh, let me cue this up here. 
So you and your wife have uh, been living pretty happily, even even with uh, you know the meager meager incomes that you've had. Um, your wife uh, working out um, at uh, the uh, Reef Claw Tavern. Is that it? No, the Jaeger's Jug. Jaeger, yeah, Jaeger's Jug. That's right. That's right. Sorry, uh, Jaeger's Jug, which is actually a pretty fine establishment, supposedly. Um, the founder of the city took his last drink there, and that's where the name comes from. Uh, it's on the Jaeger River as well, so. Uh, so she's working there, and you have it in your mind one night, as your mother-in-law uh, is over, to leave her, uh, or to leave her at the house uh, with Giannis, and go off and surprise your wife. You know what time, about what time she gets off, and you're going to surprise her uh, on the way home from work one night. So you set off. It's a cooler evening, uh, and you you know you have to kind of pull your jacket collar up uh, around uh, as you're walking through. It's a rather misty evening. You know the light, the candlelit um, lamps glow in the night as you're walking down the, the path. Well, you're nearing the Jaeger. It's a, it's a bit of a walk from where you guys live to the Jaeger's uh, jug there. And you are nearing that area when suddenly you hear someone off in the uh, off in the distance uh, at first you can't quite make it out it sounds a little bit like um, sounds a little bit like a, a scuffle of some sort and then uh, you hear this uh, scream off in the distance and you run up, being kind of a, you know, scrapper, you might be able to lend a hand, so you run up and you, uh, it takes you a minute to try and find it, you can't quite find where it came from, you're about to give up and just continue on to the jug, but, uh, you eventually you come across a alley, and in the alley you see, it's all silhouetted, but you see, looks like, uh, man crouching down in the alley. What do you... What do you do? I think I would yell out, You there! What's going on? Uh, the man is wearing a hat, and he kind of like looks up at you and, sa and says, Ah, uh, there's a poor woman here who's just been slain. A woman? What What do you mean? What, what does she look like? Where? Just here on the ground. I've only just now stumbled upon her. And do you approach her? Yeah, I would uh, try to keep my... keep him at my front, but I would approach the body and uh, 
yeah. examine who it is. As you approach, and you have a a lantern, you know, to work your way through. You you kind of approach, and in the in the twilight, in the dim uh, light of this uh, alleyway, you see your wife Isolda sprawled out, uh, blood draining from her uh, a wound in her side. And her eyes uh lifeless as they as they look up to you, up at you. Um yeah, so my vision goes blurry for a second and I um kneel on the ground quickly and I place my hand over the wound where the gut is blood is coming out and Isolda Isolda, wake up! Please! Please! Someone! Get the guard! And I turn to the man that was there. Get the guard! Quick! Right. I'll go get the guard. And he uh, kind of steps around you and shuffles around the corner. Uh, go ahead and roll me a perception check, sir. <laughs> Alright. You uh, got an okay look at him. He uh, was wearing a, a little bit of a dirtier jacket, and uh, he had a wide-brimmed hat with a white feather sticking out of that hat. And as he rounds the corner, you do hear, uh, you hear, gods, gods, and he kind of wanders off, and you are left alone in the alleyway with your wife's uh, body. Go ahead and roll me a heal check as you try to stabilize her. Have him roll all the skills that he doesn't normally have. Hey, that's pretty good. You realize as you're pressing on, on the wound that uh, she's gone. Her eyes have fully dilated and She's not there anymore. You look at yourself covered, uh, just covered in in Isolde's blood. What what are you? How are you feeling at this moment? What are you? What's going uh, on? So, I'm in shock. I'm looking at my hands, and they're starting to tremble. And and I um. You know, I start to think, and what's happening? And I, I start, um, I pick her up into my arms, and then I uh, th think that the guy's taking too long. There's maybe there's a chance she can still be alive. Who knows? I, 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 I probably don't know if she's really dead. I could, you know. So I, I start to scream and holler, and please, anyone. Um, excellent. As you stand up, uh, with. Roll me a strength check. I'm having you roll all the good skills tonight. All the ones I'm perfectly not yeah. good at. Oh, man. You, uh, as you're trying to pick her up, she slips uh, because of the amount of blood. It just slips out of your hands and uh, falls back down onto the ground. Um, and uh, the weight of what's happening... 
uh, sets in almost in a, uh, you know, you were heading there to surprise your wife with some flowers and you look down at your wife's body and lying next to her poetically are the flowers that you had bought your wife and were bringing her. She brought this old and we're bringing her uh, these symbols of your love for her as a surprise to make her happy are now crimson with her blood. Uh, what's Riz Direct do as as a that kind of yeah? Thing? So, um, my own strength failing me and the blood covered all over me, I just I began to wail. Um, maybe perhaps even coming down out of the alley just a ways, but keeping her body always in sight. Um, and, and just screaming for help. Guards, please, anyone! I need help! As you do this, you... There's a ruddy light coming in from the alleyway, uh, from out in the street. and For some reason, inside of you, your nature, like you just feel like the light is wrong. And you tend to cling to the shadow near her body and kind of couple her up next to you cradling her in your arms seconds later um, not not too long maybe 30 seconds 40 seconds of you wailing a uh, two two guardsmen crimson guard come around the corner oh my gosh what what's happened here she's my wife quick help her please please to see look and i point to my ring and i point to her finger and i look we have uh, 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 i don't know please help her as i as i notice her ring missing her ring is gone that is correct and the guards um like the one guard uh turns around and, and starts looking around for somebody he runs past you guys down the alley where the killer might have gone um the that's the first guard the second guard throws down his spear and shield and runs over sliding on the ground and starts looking her over and tries to help um he yells to the first guard go uh, go and get the other patrol get Get Garrick's patrol. Uh, I'm sorry. And uh, what? What do you mean you're sorry? She's not dead. She's she's fine. See, I I couldn't feel her pulse because of the blood, but she's fine. Please use your hand. And I place his hand over her neck to try to to check her pulse again. And he has a sorrowful look on his face but puts his hand there closes his eyes then his other hand comes up around the back of your neck and kind of pulls you in and says I'm sorry lad and he gives you it's kind of an awkward hug but there's some comfort in it I just uh, sit there I don't move any muscle I just kind of am like standing you know there speechless and 
uh, after a few moments, I kind of push him back a little. Where were you? I sent for I, the, I sent the man. I sent the other man. It was it seemed like so long ago. What took you so long? Guards patrol the sir, the Jaegers. So there was there was no man. No guard came. We we. What do you, you mean? I saw the man. His hat. He had a white feather. We didn't see any such man. No man came for us. We came because we heard you calling out for guards. That, that's not... That, that's not possible. I, I heard him. He was, he was calling for the guards. He went that way. And he looks in, back to the direction that even they came from uh, and looks back to you and says, we'll do everything we can but likely that man was the murderer. And uh, I guess I, I have this like sudden realization that I let the murderer go, and uh, I just kind of sit there in shock, and then I uh, turn back to my wife, and I get, start to like get my bearings and look at her, um, check for the ring, see if it fell underneath her, um, you know, look her over, see how, if she was just stabbed or whatever I can figure out. I'm not exactly examining the wounds right now, but I'm just looking her over, you know. A thorough investigation does not find the ring. In the, in the coming days, in the, in the, or in the following days, um, you are brought down to the uh, Citadel Volshenek, which is the uh, mainstay of where the guards are. And you are questioned thoroughly and ultimately acquitted of your wife's murder. Uh, they don't think it was you. You're never actually charged with it, but they have to check. Um, the ring is not recovered uh, and no sign of it. The one thing that does match is that there it, there was a string of murders just a few years ago uh, that this the wound from your wife and the method that she was killed in um, seemed to match up with a couple of years go by couple of years go by and uh, things get to you find the new normal with uh, you and Giannis she uh, is growing into quite the fine young lady now 12 years old about a year from the current time about a year ago uh, while perusing some shops with Giannis looking at, you know, things that young women would like, uh, jewelry and, and such, um, you do find your, your daughter finds a ring that she loves, absolutely loves. And you go over to look at it, and the ring that your daughter has picked out, unbeknownst to her, is none other than your wife's ring. 
the engraving with love forever uh, is still on the inside of the ring. So uh, I've up to this point kept my composure in front of my daughter for the most part um, and haven't really shown her any of the trauma that uh, that night caused. But I instantly um, grab her hand that's holding the ring, almost not knowing, but she's strongly. Looking, she's looking at it inside a case. Oh, okay. Yep. So she's um, not holding it. She's well, just pointing at it. So uh, instead, I immediately grab the shop owner's shirt, collar, arm, whatever's yeah, okay. close by, and I pull him close to me, if able, and I say, where did you get that? Um, the the ring. I'm sorry, sir. We don't. Uh, we don't. And so I start. I start sort of yelling and. Yes, man. The ring. Look, it's identical to this one. It was my wife's. It was stolen from her. Uh, go ahead You'll and tell roll. me now. Go ahead and roll me an intimidate check. There you go. All right. Thanks. Um. 18 very nice the shopkeeper's eyes go wide and on, on a, in your anger in, in this thing uh, you don't realize it but your daughter has actually taken a step away from you her eyes wide as well not really seeing a this side of of you and she uh, or the shopkeeper says let me check I, I have some papers I might be able to figure out who gave me that ring. Hold on. And he, like, shakingly goes and opens up a, a case and looks through this and... Ah, uh, it was, uh... It was a man named Gadrian Lamb who sold me the ring. What did he look like? Uh, he was an older man, walked with a cane, but had, a uh, wore... I, I don't know. He wasn't very distinct. I remember him now. Hold on. He had a wide brim hat with a white feather in it. I thought it was odd. The hat looked well used and the feather um, ruffled that this man would keep wearing such a hat. Um, I, my eyes kind of go wide and I kind of catch myself and look at my daughter and see her face and look back at the man and try to gain my composure. And, uh, you said Gadrian Lamb. That was his name, right? Is, is that right? Um, yes. Gadrian Lamb. Do you, do you know where he lives? Do you know where he's from? I'm sorry, sir. All I have is a name. <sighs> what about the ring, then? It's my property. See, I can show you the the twin here. Uh, I'm sorry. The, uh, I could sell it to you. I really do feel With, for I kinda you. I kind of slam my hand on the counter, and as he says, "Sell it," and I'm kind of like, not not in a forceful way, but I kind of shake and hold my head, like. Ugh. The. I'll tell you what. I I can come down as low as five hundred gold pieces, for the ring. 500 it was it was passed down in my family i i live in old corvosa I, I i can't afford such things even my rent is just 
a mere few gold a month. I'm so sorry, sir. I can oh, I'm, take your I'm name going... down and I can send a runner if somebody else is interested you, in the room. You'll do more than take my name down. I'm, I'm taking this to the guard. I will tell them of this. You're taking stolen goods. I was unaware that this was stolen. I don't do... This is the only item I have from this Gadrian fellow. And we're not even sure that he stole it. He could have gotten it off of someone else. With that, my eyes kind of narrow and forget it. I doubt the guard would do anything anyway. I'll be back for this ring. Save it for me. I, like I said, if somebody comes in and wants it, I will send a runner to you uh, and uh, give you first right of refusal. That's the best I can do, sir. Very well. Uh, and he, Giannis, uh, d sorry. I, let's return home quickly to your grandmother. As you go to take her hand, she kind of pulls back from you. You scared me, Daddy. I uh, get down to eye level with her, crouching down on my knees, and I um, sit there and crack a smile. And sorry, um, I think that's your mother's ring. Um, it's very important to us, and I'd like to get it back. Uh, but but please, let's let's go home. Enough people are looking. And she kind of nods. As you walk out, she turns around and looks back. Um, the jeweler does take your name and uh, address down before you go. And uh, so you guys head home. About a year later, you, you spend a year looking for Gadrian. The Crimson Guard try their best. You do get the sense that they you always give them crap but you do get the sense that they are trying as hard as they can to find Gadrian. Every lead they get comes up dry, and there aren't very many leads at all. And so they haven't been helpful to you, but you do get the sense that they're trying. One day... Okay, oh. Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, also during that time, um, I start using any method I can within some reason to uh, try to get the money for the ring. Sure. Yeah, you become obsessed with, it, it kind of reignites all of the feelings uh, from your wife's murder and a couple of things happen. You start trying that. You get a little kind of involved with the Corellian society, but mostly you're doing freelance um, thieving uh, but the other thing is you try to do research on your wife and uh, you find out that this keylock killer as he was called stalked the streets at night he struck fear into people and he specialized in home invasion and the cuts were odd as if it was a sharpened key 
or strange, strangely made dagger that he would uh, shove into them and then try to open people with. This all brings you... The one thing that you notice is that he was never caught and he stopped abruptly. And so that's one little bit of information that you find out about the Keylock Killer, which seems, which is the one that the guard said, this seems oddly familiar. And they tell you that you're lucky that he didn't break in. Otherwise, uh, he was known for killing families. Well, about a year goes by of this research and you trying to raise money. No caller ever comes for the ring. No runner. You stop by every so often and uh, check in on the ring. Um, the, the shopkeeper there is always a little cold. Uh, but that's to be expected. He does warm up a little bit to you after a while and occasionally even has uh, coffee or tea waiting for when your regular visits would be. <laughs> Eventually, uh, like I said, a year goes by, you wake up one morning and the first thing you notice is that your ring is missing. Your ring is missing. Frantically, you begin to look for it, only to find it on the nightstand. Kind of slap your head. I must have taken it off. I don't know why I would have done that. And then when you go to reach for it, the thing you didn't notice was as you pick it up, there was a folded piece of paper underneath it. It kind of springs open. You look at the folded piece of paper and you read it. And here's what it says. I know what Gadron has done to you. He has wronged me as well. I know where he dwells, yet cannot strike at him. Come to my home at Three Lancet Street at sunset. Others like you will be there. Gadron must face his fate, and justice must be done. And with that, you go about making preparations and head to Lancet Street that evening. Well, this has been another character background. Um, thanks for listening. We hope you guys are enjoying these and getting to know uh, the players. There's six of us, and so uh, hope you're getting to know uh, their characters, the players a little bit, and their backstories. Uh, tragic backstories to some degree thanks for the listen and uh we'll be back soon bye